Hello, this is Guy Hansen, and you should be listening to the Snow Day Podcast. You just got to feed those kids ginger water and put them in a boat and make them fucking row it. That's what you got to do. Yeah, I don't know what the history on that is, but it's disgusting. Snow Day, I'm hoping for a snow day. January 2018, and this is episode 13, Political Correctness. Uh, reflecting back on the Christmas episode, we got really positive reviews all around. Lots of love, lots of good vibes in that one. It wasn't maybe the most hard-hitting of topics that we've ever touched on, but pretty much everybody that I talked to just felt like it really fit the mood of the season and uh, was enjoyable to listen to. A little bit of a, a mum versus mum discussion after the pod, though. Lester, you said your mum calls the, the jello fruit salad aspic. Yep. And uh, my mum was quick to shoot back. The fruit salad that we're talking about definitely is not aspic. Aspic is something different. When I checked it out on the web, it's actually made with broth and meat and stuff in it. It's not sweet like the other one. Mmm, meat in the jello. Jelly salad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who knew? Even as a carnivore, I don't know how I, I don't know if I like the sound of meat in the jello. You know, I probably the worst possible dessert from Canada. That just about got worse. Being <laughs> worse, but you just made it worse for me. Let's put some beef, beef broth, and cow in jello. Mmm. Who thought of that? Like, <laughs> just ran out of recipes? Or? Yeah, I don't know what the history on that is, but it's disgusting. If we did do a whole episode on that, I feel like Georgie Conchita would come to each one of our houses and punch us in the face. And, and yeah, throat, throat punch us. So that one, and a quick shout out to Andy Taylor. So we mentioned Aaron Goble on the last episode, Steve, that you bumped into at the airport. Her brother is Andy, lives out in Toronto. He's a big fan of the pod and was the first person to uh, respond to our Facebook page to actually put a post there. A uh, little shout All out right. to him and, uh, and maybe a challenge to everybody else to jump on our Facebook page. It's Snow Day Podcast at Facebook. Tell us whether you need Aspic or not. So <laughs> at Snow Day Pod on Instagram and on Twitter as well. We're changing his title, fellas. Harwood, I'm changing him to Audience Development. He's not our social media guy anymore. Audience Development, that's what it is. I'm All in right. favor of that. It's going to be a good change for him. <laughs> You know, what I've heard through the grapevine is he's happy about it. He's happy with the reorg. And, uh, <laughs> what grapevine? <laughs> maximize efficiency out of his position moving forward. Is that your, your cleaner, Francisco? Is that the grapevine? I heard through the grapevine. We're going to call it a pivot. I think that's that's the cool thing to say. We're, we're pivoting him go. to audience yeah. development. And actually, yeah. I bumped into Harwood today at lunchtime as we were both walking home for lunch. He had a nice little contribution to the discussion later. That's a little cliffhanger. That's a teaser. That's industry lingo. Overall, uh, last pod was was fantastic. I thought it was great. Go Congratulations to, to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's all give ourselves yet another pat on the back and we'll move on. All right. Here's the disclaimer. There's going to be some swearing. This is going to be a little unprofessional. Someplace between a locker room and a church gathering. Nothing we'd be embarrassed to play for our kids or our parents. That's kind of the zone. If you can live with that, Welcome aboard. If not, thanks for giving it a try. Four friends trapped in a virtual living room by a virtual snowstorm. This is the Snow Day Podcast. What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? Lie in the morning. With... 
Dr. George Alvarez. Bruce, I want that song in the opening segue for the final product of this podcast. Guy's son and entrepreneur, Leslie Hansen. What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? And I, I took it seriously and I tried hard tonight. I'm pretty sure I made it through an entire hour of this podcast without dropping an F bomb. Put him in the back of the paddy wagon. Put him in the back of the paddy wagon. Put him in the back of the paddy wagon. Speaker, author, and leadership expert, Stephen DeGroote. I'm not open to learning in that moment. I'm open to saying, you know, shut the fuck up. And me, I'm still in Thompson, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. That's the stick to it with it list that's uh, that's got me where I am today, boys. Uh, about two blocks from where I grew up. Uh, let's do a little check-in. I'm going to throw to you first, Lester. You were the hardest guy to nail down on this pod. You've been bouncing around a little bit. So what's been going on the last little while? <laughs> yeah, I've been busy. Like, what the hell? I uh, I don't know. 2018 has started off a little bit crazy for me. I find myself tonight hunkered down in the best Western hotel in Peterborough, Ontario. Right. I've spent way too many nights at in the, in the last year or so. But happy to be hearing all of your voices tonight, keeping me company. I'm not going to say it can get a little boring in Peterborough, but it can get a little bit boring in Peterborough. It's a small city, which, you know, it helps in terms of uh, driving times and everything is closed. Peterborough, it's a quiet city. It's more safety for my kids. The best part of being in Peterborough is that uh, it's not as fast-paced. It's not always go, go, go. The glamorous life of a CEO. The glamorous life of an entrepreneur, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doctors with no boundaries, George Alvarez out in Calgary tonight, I think. What's been going on with you the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I've been working in the new year. I went out to Panorama with my kids this last weekend for a little bit of a ski weekend. It was uh, fantastic. And tonight I'm going to a charity event for multiple sclerosis, so putting on a suit, oh, uh, nice. being a little fancy, doing a little bit of whiskey tasting. So that's what's up for tonight after this cast. Rubbing it in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything else seems kind of sad after that. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty pretty sweet. Bit of a stinger too. I was just telling Lester, Marnie, and I are taking a little uh, a little break from drinking, just giving the liver a little bit of a break. I miss it more than I thought. So George, you talking about the whiskey tasting is uh, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, Bruce. I sorry. I I poured a glass of wine for the podcast. By the way, Bruce, you're doing dry January. Most of dry January. The only thing is uh, we're taking one mulligan this Saturday. So Duncan Monroe, one of the guys that we play music with, he just retired from the RCMP after 30 years. And it's his retirement party on Saturday night. And uh, as much as I'm committed to this dry January thing, that one's going to be a good party. And uh, 
Yeah, so we're taking a mulligan. One day, I'll add a day at the end. Well, you know, what you're saying is you can't even go one month without a drink. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly hey, Get off his back, Hanson. <laughs> I like your commitment because you're, you're committed until you're not. Like, I really like that approach. That's the stick to it with it list that's, uh, that's got me where I am today, boys, uh, about two blocks from where I grew up. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm working on it. We're, we're working on it. Uh, <laughs> Good progress. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. I mean, who said it had to be 30 days in a row? Steve, you, you, you're ripping me. What's going on with you? Yeah, I can go about 30 minutes without a drink, you know. At least you're not lying to yourself and trying for At a least, month. yeah. No, it's 30 days. Whoa. So you're going to spread those 30 days out over 10 years, Abrams. Yeah, no, I'm in, uh, I'm in Winnipeg tonight, actually. I was out in uh, Toronto for a few days. Well, not Toronto. I was through Toronto twice, out east and Kingston, uh, doing some stuff. Almost hooked up with Les, but then it didn't work out. I'm back in uh, Winnipeg uh, tonight, a few days, and then I'm off to Calgary. So I'm hoping to see Georgie um, next uh, Wednesday. Yep. That's awesome. Not really seeing me. I mean, almost seeing, seeing George is what you're saying. Seeing, yeah, Bruce, you know. seeing George. Yeah. Went through Toronto well. twice. Didn't see me. But anyway, whatever. No, almost. Les turns into a real little bitch when he's at the Best Western in Peterborough. Um, <laughs> a little whiny bitch. Hey, Alvarez, watch who you're calling little. You're when I go bitch, bitch, I go full bitch. There's <laughs> a little about it. Okay, I gotta, oh my I gotta gosh. try to rein this in just a hair. I didn't see okay, this coming at all. Where are you, Krenz? My last two weeks, boys, I had uh, producer Mike and I took on Todd Harwood and a partner in the Norman Yonix Open Badminton Tournament and came, Whoa. With, came within a point of beating Harwood and his partner, which uh, hasn't happened in 20 years. I think you guys probably remember fantastic Juniper Jaguar Antonio Hermanagildo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Him and Harwood played against Michael and I in the Norman Games quite a few years ago and beat us 17 times in a row. There's some stick-to-itness that's better than uh, my not drinking because we just wouldn't give up and we just couldn't beat them. And since then, I've never beat Harwood. And this time, we had game point on him and his partner and choked. Whoa, you were that close? We were that close. It was going to be a big day. Following that, though, we played against two kids from Grand Rapids. So they were two high school kids that were moved up into the adult division. The badminton program in Grand Rapids is unbelievable. It's probably the best in the province or close to it. Again, we had these guys twice at game point. We lost to them in three games, 26-24 in the third game. One of the kids was 13 and the other was 15. Wow. So, so you start to feel like maybe you're losing a step. In our defense, <laughs> they were really good and they took Harwood and his partner to three games as well. So they're pretty good for kids. How can you be losing a step if you've never beaten Harwood in 20 years? <laughs> I, I won't say that. I used to be 13-year-olds. One of them was chubby too. Like you looked at him and you thought, oh, we got this. And man, the guy had some sweet hands. It was crazy. Chris, you know what would have been better with that story since we're doing a politically correct is they got moved up to the Alta Division because they were 25 years old in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Georgie. That's oh. why their program is so good. <laughs> oh. Oh. Don't edit that out. That's a sweet, sweet. That is all staying whether you like it or not. Okay, Georgie, I think you segued us right into it. So we're going to jump into the topic. Political correctness, has it gone too far? Where do we stand on the political correctness? What are some of the, the hot topics of the day? And, and with the whole pod, we've always said we didn't want to really deal with the, just the hot topics of the day. And I feel like this is a little bit there, but it, not quite because it's been going for a while. And it's for sure another thing that I can totally see us 
sitting around chatting about in our living room, in my living room, one day caught in the snow. So we're going to jump right into it. Alvarez, you're the one that brought this topic to the table. You've been, uh, you've been hot on this one for a little while. So we're going to throw to you right off the bat. First of all, we're going to ask you for a definition, and then we're going to go around the circle and just get a, get a feel for where everybody's at. And if you've got a sort of a real-life example that you want to talk about, whether you agree or disagree with it, uh, we're going to ask you for that too. So you guys know me. I, on purpose, I'm politically incorrect just to be inflammatory and just to get you know rise out of people. In the last few years, I've been feeling more and more like it because the way I define it is someone is acting or doing something for the sake or the perception that it's the correct thing. They feel that they need to say or do something because of how they will be perceived exteriorly, not inter- internally, because I don't think they actually believe what they're saying, what they're doing. So that's kind of what I mean by PC. It really came into focus for me when I was watching the show about five or six years ago and there was Chris Rock and Seinfeld and I think Ricky Gervais and they were sitting around talking about you know where comedy is going and all of them to the person said I will no longer play colleges and universities and the reason why is because they can't take a joke anymore this institution that's supposed to be open-minded and liberal and having all points of view they are getting letters from people in the audience saying you know, what you said there is insulting and they and their response is that's the whole point of comedy is to insult everything, including things that are uncomfortable, because once you can laugh at it, it loses its power. So I was thinking, man, if like the biggest comics on earth won't play universities because they're getting letters from people because they can't take a joke and everything is politically incorrect. That's when I thought, wow, we are going way too far. You can't even make a joke anymore. That's a... Steve, you want to follow up on that? Well, I mean, I'm pretty sensitive to this stuff just in terms of my space, but I think like comedians, you know that when you go to see a comedian, it's going to be racy. Political correctness, and I don't even like the word political, to tell you the truth. Um, I like the fact that, you know, correctness. I think it's just about sensitivity to others. I mean, when the four of us are together, we push, you know, we, we love each other, we care about each other. You know, I always say sometimes if people heard us talking, you know, in a closed room, uh, they'd be, you know, they'd be offended. We'd offend their, probably their race, their gender, you know, their gender orientation, their culture. I think it's, it's, you're, you you got to know your audience, right? Because I think, you know, we don't, I don't talk like that outside of that because I, I do believe there's a line between perpetuating stereotypes and also language doing harm to, to other people. So, you know, I, with Georgie on the, the comedy thing, absolutely. I mean, if you go to see a comedian, and they make a racist comment and you, you're offended, I think you got to check your assumptions, your expectations at the door. But outside, in public, absolutely. we got to respect other people. I enjoy you taking the political out of that. I never thought of that angle, but I like that. Smooth yeah. move to Groot. And, uh, Thanks, man. Thanks. A little too early for a mic drop, but you know. <laughs> and you didn't call George any bad names yet, so, so far so no, good. I want to so badly. <laughs> You'll get your chance out in the peat, but uh, usually in Toronto where... Uh, the nerve center of our nation. What, what's your thoughts on this one? I have a couple of thoughts on this. I think you guys know I kind of avoided this as a topic for a while. I thought it might be a little explosive for us to try to get into. And George pushed for it for a while. He had some things he wanted to say. I have a couple of thoughts. First of all, I think I, I understand the point that you're making, George. But when I think about the movement in society that actually annoys you, I think your your annoyance is actually misdirected. I did actually spend some time looking up the specific definition of what politically correct is. And one of the things I found interesting was 
I actually found seven different definitions that were pretty broad, like a pretty shotgun approach to what the specific definition of politically correct means. And I found that interesting for a couple of reasons. In general, the dictionary definition of being politically correct is using language or measures that are intended to avoid offending or insulting groups of people that are considered marginalized. That was the best definition I could find. I think we would all agree that we don't try, we don't aspire to use language that insults or offends somebody who's marginalized. I've known you guys my whole life. I know you guys agree with me on that. But what's interesting is the last few years in society, what I have seen is that that definition and the whole concept of being politically correct has kind of gotten bastardized because people have used it for different political purposes. Hence the very definitions, probably. At some point, it became politically valuable to one side of the political spectrum to associate being politically correct with being soft or being weak or being too liberal. They started associating that concept with a whole bunch of different political views, which I don't think being politically correct is supposed to actually be associated with. Regardless of what your viewpoint is when you're in a discussion or you're in an argument with somebody, if you can't use language to get your point across, it doesn't offend them because of a cultural sensitivity or whether it's racial or gender or sexuality, whatever. If you can't get your point across without offending somebody, you're just not a very effective communicator. I don't think that's something that any of us aspire to. So I think one of the problems that I have with the whole concept of being politically correct is that that terminology is being used as a political weapon for reasons that really supersede the whole concept of being politically correct. That was my first point. My second point, more closely related to what George said, ties into another thing that I've kind of railed on about on previous podcasts already, and that's the whole concept of how so many of us in society nowadays with the way people communicate over the internet, everybody just is incredibly divisive and screams at each other. So, George, what actually annoys you is not whether someone is politically correct, it's that people have developed this tendency to jump down your throat immediately if they think you've stepped out of line with something that you've said, which isn't really, it's not even really about what you've said. It's just people waiting to pounce on you and, and explode you if you use one incorrect word without even listening to the, the greater whole or the substance of the argument that you're trying to make. I think that's a huge problem in society. I think that's what's led to the decay of any sort of high-level political discourse and ended up in a world where all political conversation is just sound bites of, I'm 100% for this, I'm 100% against this, and there's no middle ground. But I don't think that actually has to do with being politically correct, because I think you can still get through a healthy and intense political debate without having to use language that offends somebody. You don't have to sidestep yeah. issues to use language that's not just insulting to somebody's culture or their sexuality or their gender or anything else. The problem with that, Les, is that the people that are doing the jumping down your throat, and the good example, just to have something solid, if the listener wants to look up the Wilfrid Laurier story of that TA, where she was trying to make a point as she was teaching English grammar about, you know, being transphobic and, you know, what should you call our LGBTQT community? 
And she was trying to have the opposite. This is that there are people who have right-sided views that aren't your views. And she was trying to, that very point, use language to say, hey, you guys are university students. Your guys are going to go out into the community. You're going to hear people that you disagree with. This is real life. And then she gets dragged into the offices where when you listen to the thing that she secretly taped, which thank goodness she did, it's ridiculous the points that they are trying to espouse to this classic Canadian self-flagellation is that we almost have to be so nice, so careful with anything that you say that you can't say anything because it's impossible not to misstep and some marginalized population, whether they truly are or not, gets offended by it. And that's my concern is that you're right. I can't seem to have any kind of intelligent conversation with anyone without them, rightly or wrongly, and, and I can agree that I may be wrongly, saying something in a way that somehow insults them or they pretend that it's insulting. And it's the pretend part. The people that scream on the internet that are vitriolic, you can't have both sides. I don't agree with the right, but I'll listen to them. Right. You know, George, I think you and I just made exactly the same point. No, I, I, I mean it. I think what you're saying is... This is, this is what, what I tried to say is that the problem is the vitriolic response. The problem is that people lie in wait listening to you, ready to just jump on the first thing that they can find to try to blow yep. up your argument yes. because they've already turned off their mind to your point because you're liberal and I'm conservative, so everything you say is wrong and everything I say is right, and there's no, there's no actual discourse in the middle. But I, I think the point that I was trying to make is I don't think that's a problem of being politically correct. I think it's a different problem. It gets applied over top. It gets yeah. pressed down upon the concept and the discussion of political correctness. But I don't think the politically correct part is actually the problem. I'm just having trouble with the whole political word again. You know, whether it's political or not, whether someone jumps down your throat, whether it's personal, professional, political, whatever, they have a difference of opinion around their their views or their values, right? Bruce, you got to weigh in, buddy. You got to bust this up. I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction because I, I agree. I think you guys are kind of saying the same thing. I want to build on a little something that, that George said earlier or touched on earlier and that I see in my life, the idea of being being disingenuous in some of the things you say in terms of trying to say the right thing, even though you maybe don't believe it or you don't buy into it. And my example from my life right now, and I'm not sure where I'm at on this. What did I say last time? I'm going to rebut myself somewhere along the line in this argument. But a lot of the meetings that I go to right now and public functions and some of the emceeing gigs that I do, people ask us to start the whole thing with an acknowledgement that we're on Treaty 5 territory, the traditional lands of the Nisetuiasic Cree Nation. Do you guys hear that at the start of yeah. events, Steve? I'm sure you do. You know, Australia did it way longer than we did. We just started doing that. I think since Truth and Reconciliation here. And this was the start of one of the meetings that I went to. This is how the meeting started. I'd like to begin by acknowledging that the land where I live and work is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and most recently the territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nation. The territory was the subject of the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement between the Iroquois Confederacy and the Ojibwe and allied nations to peaceably share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. This territory is also covered by the Upper Canada Treaties Today, the meeting place of Toronto, from the Haudenosaunee word Takaranto, is still the home to any indigenous people from across Turtle Island, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to work and live in the community. 
on this territory. That's T.O., man. That's what we say. I know the last time I met you for lunch, Les, we opened with that, and then we ordered <laughs> drinks. <laughs> so, so, Bruce, uh, so I know that, that doesn't uh, roll off. Well, that, huh? I want to see where, where Bruce is going you? with this one. Where are, you, where are you going with this, Bruce? So here's where I'm going with this, and I'm sure that probably sounded a little politically incorrect. And, and the reason I, I guess I feel like I have to rebut myself, <laughs> boys, a little bit is I don't feel like anybody who said that at a meeting was genuine. Maybe they were, but it's just too much, right? And where do you stop with reaching back to, you know, the, the absolute very first person that set foot on our land? That's too much. And I think most of the meetings and things I go to when people open with that statement, they still haven't internalized that and they haven't believed it. So I don't, I don't feel like it's genuine. Right. But at the same time, I feel like I'm gaining more and more of an appreciation for some of our history and culture and stuff by being constantly reminded of some of those things. So when you do open a meeting with that, you can't help but think about truth and reconciliation and all those kind of things, which are yeah, important. Yeah, for and, sure. And I think for me, anyways, the last year, year and a half, I've really been immersed in, in sort of just some of our terrible history. Right? I've been listening to a lot of stuff about the South in the States and about Aboriginal people in Canada. And so I, I think we really need that reminder, and I appreciate that, and it yeah. encourages me to learn more. But when I hear something like that, I can't help but just sort of laugh and think, where have we gone? I guess my yeah. question is, well, where, yeah. where do you draw the line, right? I like it. When I, was, when I went out to Australia and Georgia, I don't know if they were doing it there, I really appreciated the fact that they honoured you know, the Indigenous and they honoured the land that they were on. It was short, it was sweet, it was genuine. And I came back here, and I'm like, why the heck don't we do it here? You know, and they started doing it recently. And I, I think there's a balance. The reality of any movement or any education endeavor is about getting allies from the other side. And I think the fine line is when you lose your allies, you lose them in the in the details, or you lose them in the ingenuineness of it. You know, you got to find that balance between, you know, this is important. You know, it's not going to take up 20 minutes and be done in an ingenuine way that's going to put you off. I totally agree with you. I don't know where the balance is, but that one uh, reaching back to the wampum belt and all that, they may have gone just a step too far. Like the feminist movement needed men as allies to, to move further. Like that's just the reality in a patriarchal system, which means there's a fine line between somehow jumping down the throat of your ally and putting them off because they can't do anything correct and finding that balance where you keep them open. That's the second part of the truth and reconciliation, you know, Justice Murray St. Clair, one of the great Manitobans that will go down in history and what the, what he's doing, he's doing what, you know, Nelson Mandela is trying to do. He, he figured out that in order to cure and to heal, you had to reconcile. Part of that is exactly what Steve said, is that it's the truth, that you accept it, you acknowledge it, and you move forward with allies. And if you don't reconcile, which Part of reconciliation is, it's not the right word saying getting over it, but whatever reconciliation definition is, that's getting the allies moving forward. And I think part of what Bruce experiences, and now lots of schools start with that, is I see these little kids talking, I see people reading it out, and it comes across as so fake, it becomes annoying. And then any chance of you moving the yardstick forward fails, because the people that are reading it, I can tell, are being forced to read it. They don't believe it. You might as well not do it. I think it hurts the movement even more. And I guess that's where the politicization comes in. We're using a better example than the one I start off with, with comedians. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm in front of people all the time. I have talked to over 40,000 people in the last 17 years. In the beginning, it was exhausting. Like, because you guys know how I am in private. Like, I love to just let loose and just speak my mind. And, you know, we're, we were all raised white, heterosexual, middle class ways that we've been raised about stereotypes and generalizations that just become a part of our fabric, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. And I remember in the beginning, I, I just I had to watch myself all the time because 
I would make generalizations or stereotypes without knowing it. But now I'm at the point where I'm, I'm very refined, yet someone will come up to me at the end and, and go, you know, you used he and she way too much. You should really use gender neutral language. And I'll have people like Les is saying, totally waiting in the wings, like just waiting. I don't even know if they heard what I said in the full day presentation, but they're waiting at the end of the day to come up to me and comment on how I should use more gender neutral language. When I was being mindful and going back from he, she, they, she, he, she, like, you know, it just gets exhausting. I understand though, we need to be, we need to be mindful and do our best. Sometimes you've got people that are just waiting to tear you down. I'm not open to learning in that moment. I'm open to saying, you know, shut the fuck up. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I tried really hard and I know I'm white and I know I'm male and I know I'm middle class and I know I'm heterosexual. I don't know that you are. Well, you know, the jury's still out. And by jury, I mean my gay friend, jury. (laughs) All right, enough. Just this whole Johnny McDonald idea. Our first prime minister did amazing things for Canada. I don't think anybody can argue with the fact that without him, Canada might not be what it looks like today, but at the same time was racist and uh, did a lot of things that we would 100% disagree with today. At the same time, they weren't as horrible in the eyes of society at that time uh, as they are now. What do you guys think about the whole idea of sort of looking back on history and trying to revise it or judge people around our sort of politically correct views now versus maybe what they were like at the time? George, you brought it to us. So uh, any thoughts on that? Exactly. It's very easy to, in retrospect, think about yourself personally and professionally, the things that we thought were normal growing up versus what is unacceptable now. It's almost impossible not to look at past anybody in society without a jaundiced view. Times were different. Their views were different. There's a whole bunch. Every country has horrible history. And I think it's important that we're open about it and and reflect and say, hey, maybe we're not the greatest nation on earth. And look what we did to our First Nations. And the residential school is a great example of it. And Johnny McDonald probably started the residential movement and 6,000 kids died. I, I mean, it's terrible. But you can't then wipe out everything that this person did because of the circumstances at the time. And I suspect 100 years from now, people will reflect on the things that we're doing and saying and going, oh, my God, I can't believe how antiquated they were and how rudimentary and they were like Neanderthal in their thinking. It's just that that's the part that bugs me is that there's not an inch that you can't look back and go, wow, you know, times were different. Uh, women couldn't vote. Slavery was, you know, in full of like they just no one wants to just admit that the time was different and the decision was bad then. Its decision is bad now. But as a whole, society accepted the decisions that were being made. And I don't think we should look back and be so hard on, on a generation or a complete time in our history. I think our challenge now and it's going to be forever moving forward is to show a little bit more in terms of both sides of the history or just rounding out our history a little more because a lot of what we've learned and what we've seen is pretty much written by guys that look like us, but we're just uh, 150 or 200 years ago, right? From an Aboriginal perspective and and all of those kind of things. I understand the point that George is making. I think there's a different way to look at it. And that, I mean, the Johnny McDonald one is is a tough one. Obviously, he's such an important figure in Canadian history. You can't wipe him from the record books. You can't, like what George was saying, you can't all of a sudden say, oh, wait, everything that guy did was bad because we now feel differently about this one aspect. Like, that's a really challenging thing. Another way of looking at it, which is that 
tradition is really important. A lot of people hold on to historical facts and figures and feelings for the sake of tradition, you know, because it's what builds culture, it's what builds our family histories, our values. But what's more important than tradition is the fact that society continues to progress and learn and advance thinking over time. I'm not saying I disagree with, with George on the John A. McDonald because it's a tough one. But another really good example, I think, is there is a team in the NFL who is dedicated to having a team name that is 100% racially insensitive to an entire culture of people. They have a fan base of rabid fans whose only argument for not acknowledging, holy shit, yeah, that's a racist name. We shouldn't have that for the name of our football team. Their only argument is, yeah, but it's tradition, man. We've always called it that. So we're going to keep calling it that. I'd like to put those two points at the extreme ends of that argument and yeah. say that, as with most things, it probably falls in the middle somewhere. Yeah. I think it's different if it's still offensive. That's the big difference between those arguments. It's still offensive. The things that were changing is something happened, right? We're not celebrating putting yellow fever in blankets today. We're not saying it's tradition. It's, you know, it's currently offensive to some people. And the people that are saying that it's not offensive are the ones not being offended. But Johnny McDonald is currently offensive to some people as well. Oh, oh abso no, absolutely. So absolutely. if you as say person, that you're on side with one... But we're talking about other, a name. We're talking about one side. thing, though. We're talking about yeah. a name. We're not talking about a person's yeah. 10 million behaviors and all the initiatives. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, so that's no, no, very, very, very different. Chalking it up to bad judgment versus bad character... And I mean, this is where I'm going to weigh in on the John A. McDonald thing. I think truth and reconciliation is about two big things, education and forgiveness. If somebody went to John A. and said, hey, you know, I don't think this is a really good idea. And there's a better way or a different way like we're trying to do now, because we're going to be judged now for the things that we do that we think yeah. are great. People will be tearing down my statue, of course. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting at is truth and reconciliation is about education and forgiveness. And there is a fine line between do we rub out every person that did a bad thing and, and ignore all the great things that they did? Or do we educate ourselves about bad choices? And do we forgive? Because going forward, that's what we're going to need to do. Imagine if today we took the stance that we rubbed out every person that made a bad decision. It just doesn't make any sense. That's why I threw it there and said, I think it makes for an interesting discussion, the fact that those two examples might be on extreme opposite ends of the spectrum of that. Yeah. Discussion. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with George. It's a tough one, but I think we need to have these conversations. Right. And I guess yeah. at the, my, my last on this whole politically correctness thing too, about people waiting to jump on somebody is what is the intention, right? What is the intention? If the intention is really to educate and forgive, then we should hear each other out. And that if there should be some room that if somebody makes a quote unquote, politically incorrect comment that instead of jumping all over them, we try to understand what they meant and what they're trying to get at. So the Harwood thing is he teaches at Deerwood Elementary School, Boo Dragons. As Jaguars, we never liked the Deerwood Dragons. Boo. Still don't, still don't, Boo. still don't. Audience still development don't. taught us there. He's a VP and phys ed teacher. So in his role as VP, the music teacher came to him and said, I'm teaching my kids this song. Uh, what should we do with the drunken sailor? Can we do it? <laughs> the, the, the team got together, their administration team, him and Bonnie Rempel, the principal, and said, no, we're, we're, we're not comfortable with it. We're asking you not to do it. The music teacher had to go find another song, which I hope isn't the end of the world. But I mean, we all grew up with that. We probably never really thought hard about the lyric. If I was in his shoes, I'm not sure what I would have done.
what the hell is offensive about drunken sailor? The drunkenness or the sailor? Am I missing something? I, I think <laughs> it's the drunkenness. I mean, it, it doesn't really offend me too much, but I think that's the fact that you're they glorifying offend, being drunk. Uh, yeah. They didn't want to offend well, all the students who were descendants of seafaring families? Like, what the hell? You just got to feed those kids ginger water and put them in a boat and make them fucking row it. That's what you got to do. <laughs> Bruce, I think that the troubling part of that example is that people are so oversensitive. This Canadian cannot offend anybody. And the, the current president is actually pushing us even to act more weirdly than we already are right now. They're terrified about a song that shouldn't be terrifying. So they feel like they got to bring it up. And then their administration, instead of just saying, can we just pause for a second? Their response is, and it reinforces the person that went to them and say, hey, maybe drunken uh, sailor is bad. They side with this crazy left-leaning liberal. And of course, we're all liberal by nature. And said, yeah, no, you're right. It feeds into itself. A, they thought they should bring it up. B, the administration quashes it and agrees with you that it's somehow offensive, which, you know, none of us that are talking can understand why it's offensive. You know, I don't know what the lyrics are that are offensive. What ends up happening, what's bugging me about society further to what Les said, because I think he actually crystallized what was bugging me, and I appreciate that. Not only is that happening, it's making things even more marginalized and more polarized. Mothers Against Drunk Driving would love it because, you know, we don't need more drunk sailors behind the wheel. Like, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm gonna like, say tell Harwood, they need to fucking sing that song again. Sing it. Sing I'm it loud, kids. That example is a point firmly in George's corner with his opening statement. Like, that's an absurd overuse of sensitivity. Like, that's ridiculous in my mind. I think Although, unless anyway. we got to recheck the ver- words, maybe there's some words. We'll tweet out the words. I, Google that. I think I, I'm sure I agree with you, but with that said, the chance of Harwood sending out anything to promote this podcast after we now disagreed with his decision, it's, it's brutal. No audience development <laughs> on this one. Yeah. There is a line in the song that goes, shave his belly with a rusty razor, which isn't, I don't think, politically incorrect, but it's kind of <laughs> gross. I forgot that line. Okay, I do I not forgot. know the words to that song. <laughs> Maybe there are. First, I want that song in the opening segue for the final product of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants it sung by the, uh, by the, what is it, the choir? The Dirt, Dirt Dirt School Choir. Yeah. Up next is a lively sea chanty called The Drunken Sailor, arranged by Emily Croker. to wrap it's time to go to our last segment it's so when's the last time you lester it's your time around give us a question and give us your answer all right i got a good one i'm gonna throw it out there but i want to answer last is it my question of the week is i know steve you're cowering from this question because you feel like you're gonna be too many times to count yeah my question is when was the last time you were either cut off or thrown out of a bar I want George to go first. Georgie, you're yeah, first. Yeah, so this this is easy because I have a cab coming up in coming in five minutes, so I gotta wrap this up. <laughs> I was with Steve. This must have been six or seven years ago. He came into town <laughs> and this new bar opened up and we went out drinking with this other guy called Alan Hammer, who I think I've mentioned on the pod before. I actually did a cast from his house. 
We were just having a lot of fun, drinking and boozing it up. Steve will tell his side of the version, but I was playing pool, and then I don't know what got into it, but I snapped the pool stick in half because I made this great shot, <laughs> like dropping the mic. And I looked over, and the bouncer and the waitress that have been just eating us booze all night, they just looked at me like, what are you doing? I now have to kick you out. And they didn't even, without saying anything, I just grabbed my wallet and started walking out. And then Steve came out and he goes, what the hell's going on? We're getting kicked out. We're getting kicked out. So yeah. that's the last time I got kicked out. And I have no idea to this day why I chose to snap. That well, I was, so I was, well, I, no, we do this fake break, right? Where you, you do an awesome shot, you lift your knee and you slam the cue, but you let go of your hands and your hands keep going and the cue stays together and georgie was just having so much fun I he, forgot together that you, he forgot to let go i was in the bathroom and some guy was at the urinal or something he's like oh man there's a big ruckus outside i'm like oh yeah what's going on he's like oh some guys are getting thrown out because some guy broke a cue stick over his leg i go of course it's us of course like of course it's always us that's a, that is pretty solid. Steve, you got anything else you want to throw out? Or you... No, you know, there's so many I can't remember. It's The last one was a little bit after that. Like, we were just out, and I, I decided to go, because, you know, we're always dancing either by ourselves with Gerald. Gerald and I will dance by ourselves all night or whatever. And we I went into a group, and apparently it was the bouncer's girlfriends or something. And it was early in the night. George, I don't know if you remember that. And all of a sudden, someone comes over and goes, oh, you're going to have to go. And I'm like, what? And yeah, it was just one of those really stupid situations. And it was, you know, I wasn't happy about it. But yeah, I just picked the wrong group to dance with. Danced with the wrong guy's girl. That's just a never ending story. A classic tale. <laughs> it's a classic tale. I feel like tale. that story was severely watered down. No. <laughs> well, George said he had to go. Check. George said he had to go. <laughs> I, I got two quick ones. The last time I think I actually got legitimately cut off. And this was so long ago. You guys will get a laugh out of these two landmarks. It was 25 cent shooters at Scandals. Whoa. <laughs> I know. And I think I dropped $5 on tequila, which one of you guys can do the math on that. It was, that was a bad decision, especially I, like I weighed probably 130 pounds at the time. And then I tried to go down the road to Monty's. And when I got there, the bouncers just basically said like, this is a bad idea for you. You got to go home. So that was probably the, the last time I legitimately got cut off. When I was in Ottawa, just a short while ago, my sister and I went out for supper and I swear I will swear on a stack of Bibles that I didn't knock a drink off the table, but my drink went flying off the table. Perhaps I was talking with my hands. I think it just fell off. I mean, it was supper time, and the waitress just came over and said, can I get you a water? <laughs> Not, can I get you another drink? Can we clean that up? Just Would you like a water? So I think she thought I was overserved. It was like 7 o'clock at night. Uh, <laughs> it was bizarre, and, and Shannon backs me up on this one. She says she thinks there's a ghost in the house. Uh, Lester, give us yours. I don't know, maybe eight or 10 years ago, I was the uh, head of sales at a, at a different software company. My sales guys had a huge quarter. It was the last day of the quarter and they all made their bonus. So there were probably about a dozen of them, young sales guys. And as is sort of the tradition in the business world, I had to take them out for drinks. And so we went out on a, on a bit of a tear in Toronto. We'd been to a, a number of places. It was getting late in the evening. Of course, they were all 10, 15 years younger than me, so they wanted to keep drinking. And I remember the last place, the bartender looked at me and goes, yeah, buddy, like, no, you, you got to go. And I said, listen, you can kick me out if you want to, but I'm buying for all 15 of those guys over there. So if you kick me out, none of them are drinking. And he literally looked at me and said, 
okay, you can stay, but you can't drink, <laughs> which I thought was just, yeah, there you go. The power of the almighty dollar. <laughs> you struck an accord. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're all, yeah. I'm, I'm paying for the tab and you'll get me another drink. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get me another one of those watermelon mojitos. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure I was due for water at that point. By, by a long shot. Her name was Karma. Georgie, you got to go. Let's wrap this up, guys. If you want, on the count of three, we can all say something totally politically insensitive uh, just to get it off. No. Hey, Bruce. Don't do it. On the, on the politically correct note, let's have producer Mike roll back the tape and listen, but I'm pretty sure I made it through an entire hour of this podcast without dropping an F-bomb. Oh. Wow. And I, I took it seriously, and I tried hard tonight. I'd like some what? verification on that, please. Okay. Is that because you're in Peterborough? Is that like what? No, it's because I've been taking grief from everybody about how much I swear on the podcast, for crying out loud. Holy shit. Like, what the hell? Yeah, but you did use the word... improvement process. I yeah, try to tell myself each and every day. It's always day. about getting to better. Always about getting, getting to better. better baby. That's getting right. To getting to better, baby. Ugly, shameless plug. I am. Ugly, yeah. shameless plug. <laughs> All right, boys. All right. I'll check the tape. Love you guys. All right, I love, love you. I love you, boys. Have fun, Georgie. Love you guys. See you, Georgie. All right, boys. Enjoy the whiskey. I'll be missing it. All right. Okay. See you, Lesnar. See you, Bruce. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Want to do us a solid? Tell your friends. Recommend us on Twitter and Instagram at SnowDayPod and on Facebook, Snowday Podcast. And special thanks to the secret weapon, Shannon Bisson.